Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we celebrate Easter together. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box, 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m., and also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right. Happy Easter, community. Absolutely. Uh, you know it is Easter Sunday when you get applause for the announcements. How about that, huh? <laughs> it is a good day. I'll tell you, we don't have a lot of traditions around here at Community, but, uh, but one of the traditions we do have, we kind of stole from the Orthodox Church, and it goes like this. Um, I'll say, Christ is risen, and then you'll say, He is risen indeed. Oh, some of you are with me already. All right. So here we go. You ready? Christ is risen. All right, now I need it with Easter enthusiasm. All right, I need it so that the Kid City people can hear us. You ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And it's that truth. It is that truth that Jesus is alive, that death could not hold him down. That gives us hope in this life and in the next life in every situation. Um, I'll tell you what, here's what I want to start. I want to start by asking you something, and I, I really want you to think about this, okay? Um, why is it that Easter kind of just feels different. Why does Easter feel so different? I mean, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to feel next week. It doesn't feel like it feels last week. Why does Easter feel so different? I mean, it could be a number of things. I mean, is it, is it because, I mean, finally we put the, uh, the polar vortex behind us? Is that what it is? You know, we got some nice weather. Actually, I mean, this could be last Sunday. Remember last Sunday? Gee. Is it that, you know, everybody kind of takes their fashion sense up a notch? You know, kind of look at somebody next to you and go like, hey, you're looking good. You're looking good, right? Is that what it is? What is it about Easter? Is, is, it, is it that, I mean, is it that Easter is the one day of the year you can actually eat chocolate for breakfast if you want to? Is that, <laughs> is that what's, what's going on? See, I'm convinced that Easter does feel different. And I think there's a reason. And here's my hope, my hope for every one of you, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you're a believer or you're a skeptic or you're somewhere in between, I hope that today, I want you to leave with an awareness that the, the reason it feels different today is because something different happened today than happened any other day in all of human history. Now, in order for that to occur for you, um, what I'm going to do, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you the Easter story, but I don't want to just tell you kind of the, the, the Easter story maybe some of you have heard before, but what I want to do, I want to tell you what I would call the backstory. Because there's, there's the story of Easter, but then there's also kind of the backstory, the story behind the scenes that maybe you don't often hear. So I'm going to need you to kind of lean in, okay? Lean in a little bit. There you go. That's right. Lean in a little bit to this one. And I want you to not just stay kind of in the shadows, but as I tell the story, I want you to really kind of enter into the Easter story. And I want to start with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. All right? You might be going, who? All right? Turn to the person next to you and go, who? Who? Who's Nicodemus? I don't I don't remember Nicodemus in the Easter story. Well, maybe you never heard anybody talk about Nicodemus in the Easter story. But here's the thing about Nicodemus. And I told you I was going to give you the backstory, right? You could even make a case. You could make a case that Nicodemus kind of saved Easter. You could make a case for that. He was the guy at first was on the edges of the story. But by the end of the story, I mean, he's right there, right in the middle of the Easter story. In fact, if it had not been for Nicodemus, Jesus wouldn't have come back to life and walked out of a tomb. He would have walked out of a garbage dump. Don't know what I'm talking about? Stick with me. All right, stick with me. And if it was not for Nicodemus, this guy we're going to take a look at, 
I think there would have been lots and lots of questions about whether Jesus really did die. But thanks to Nicodemus, centuries of Christians, us included, we have clear confirmation that Jesus actually did die and rose from the dead. Okay, let me explain. Here we go. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a guy, he was a, he was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is just a member of the Jewish uh, ruling council. And the Pharisees, they were really, really good at being good. I mean, they were just experts at behaving. They were just good at being good. If they had, if they had a LinkedIn profile, a Pharisee, their top three skills would be this. Being good, being better than you, and holier than thou. Those would be their top three skills, right? That was a Pharisee. And for a Pharisee, if you wanted to please God, if you wanted to make it to heaven, you had better, here's the word, behave. You'd better behave. You had to keep all the rules, keep all the regulations. Now, they, they knew there were these rules that, that God gave us for human flourishing. But then they took those and they put like a big fence around them of all their own rules to make sure you couldn't even get to the rules so you would have no chance of breaking them. Okay? Behaving and following the rules, that was everything to a Pharisee. All right? So in a word, being a Pharisee was all about this. Say it after me. Behaving. That's the word right there, behaving. And Nicodemus, he was one of them. Now, enter Jesus. Jesus comes onto the scene. And this guy, I mean, his message, it's, it's first and foremost, it's about love. It's about grace. It's, it's about forgiveness. He performs these amazing miracles, and, and word is spreading like crazy about him. And here's the problem with this guy, Jesus, at least according to the Pharisees. He's not much of a rule follower, <laughs> When people were hurting, he would heal them on the Sabbath. That was a Pharisee no-no. He would hang out. He would eat with sinners. People, other people would, would ignore or keep on the margins. Again, that was scandalous to Pharisees. He would offer comfort to, to lepers by actually touching them when he healed them. Again, that was something that caused you to be unclean if you were, you were a Pharisee. Jesus was clearly not just about kind of be good, being better than you, being holier than thou. So, think about this. The Pharisees quickly become very antagonistic towards Jesus. But Nicodemus, even though he's a Pharisee, he's curious. He's curious about Jesus. He wants to find out for himself. And in the Gospel of John, John was a guy who was one of Jesus' good friends. He actually wrote a book about the life of Jesus, and he records this meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus. And it starts like this. It says, Now Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. All right, so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Why does he come to him at night? That's right, he didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to be seen. And why did he want to be seen? Because he knew knew it would be very risky from the other Pharisees. They would be after him about this. He could be in serious trouble. And so he's been watching Jesus from a distance, and there's just something different about Jesus. And he starts with some flattery. And before he can even get to his question, Jesus kind of anticipates his question. He gives the answer. Here's what he says. Truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one gets to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Maybe that's kind of like a religious guy. He talks a little too much. So maybe he's just rambling on and on. And Jesus anticipates the question. So doesn't even wait for him to ask the question. He answers the question that Nicodemus is going to ask. And here's the question that Nicodemus was going to ask that Jesus answered. What does it take to be right with God? It's a great question. I mean, that, that's a question all of us, all of us have got to answer sometime in our lifetime. 
or foolishly, it'd be foolish to go a whole life and not answer that question. What does it take to be right with God? What does it take? And remember, for Nicodemus, his whole system was built on behaving. Keep the rules, be better than the next guy, holier than thou. Then you're good with God. But now Jesus comes and he says, you have to be born again. Born again, what, what does he even talk? That does not seem like a satisfactory answer. And so Nicodemus replies, he says, okay, help me out here. Jesus, how, how can you be, someone be born when they're old? I mean, surely, and he, his imagination is starting to run wild here. You do not want me to enter a second time into my mother's womb to be born. I mean, Nic- Nicodemus has no idea what Jesus is talking about. And his head's kind of spinning. And, and honestly, if you're reading this for the first time, your head's kind of spinning too, going like, what is he talking about, right? And you got a couple guys here. And maybe Nicodemus was a dad. Maybe, maybe he'd seen his kids be born. He was like, you know, yeah, it's, it's beautiful, but this sounds, this is, this sounds gross, <laughs> Right? It's funny, my dad, my dad, when I was born, what my dad did, he showed up at the hospital, went to the waiting room, right, read the sports page, and then the doctors bring out a well-scrubbed, little clean little baby boy, says, congratulations, Mr. Ferguson. So he probably wouldn't have a problem with this. Now, uh, myself and probably most of all you, if you're a, a father or a mother, particularly, I guess I'm talking to dads, you got to kind of see the whole thing, right? And ladies, it is beautiful. It is just beautiful. But there is a cringe factor to this. Am I right? <laughs> All right. And I think that's, these are two guys talking here. And I think there's a little bit of a cringe factor going on here. Right? And so Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual one. And in fact, the word he uses here, born again, could actually be translated born from above. And what Jesus is trying to get to is this. If you want to be right with God, it does require a second birth. But it doesn't come through what you do it comes through what God's going to do in you. And I'm telling you, this is paradigm-shifting stuff for, for, for Nicodemus. He's, he's hearing, it's not about behaving. He's hearing for the first time that the same way you get into your biological family, okay, your own family, you don't get in it by behaving. That's not how you get into a family. The same way you don't get into the family of God by behaving. And this is messing with him. So he's saying... Jesus is saying to be right with God is not about behavior. And here's why. Think about this. Behavior keeps the focus on who? Who's it keep the focus on? Right, us, you, right? Behavior, what it does, it keeps the pressure on you. And you'd better get everything right because you've got a perfect God. And if you don't get everything right, guess what? You're disqualified. And for those of us that are honest with ourselves, we know, you know what? No, I haven't got everything right. And so behavior kind of watches you like, 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 like a teacher that first week of school. The first week of school, my wife was a teacher for, for, for 10 years, and she said teachers have a saying. They have a saying, and it goes like this. Don't smile before Christmas. Don't smile before Christmas, because you got to have some discipline, you got to have order, you got, you got to start from day one. I remember in seventh grade, I had a teacher, an English teacher named Mr. Blake. Mr. Blake was kind of a tall guy, skinny face, had, had this unusual southern kind of drawl when he talked, and had glasses, and I can still remember, first day of seventh grade, five minutes into the class, I had barely sat down, barely had sat down, okay, five minutes in the first day, the first day of school, and he points at me, like, like, like you're right there, sorry to do this to you, he points at me, and he says, Mr. Ferguson, that's how he talked, Mr. Ferguson, I'm going to make you my guinea pig, you're talking too much, you go to the office, 
I was like, what happened? Five minutes of school, I'm already in the office. But he was going to make sure he had a well-ordered class, right? And I think for some of us, we think that's what God is. He's kind of looking for somebody to make an example. Hey, you know what? You screwed up a relationship. You're disqualified. You got a whole long list of failures. Nope, you don't make the cut. You made some bad choices. Sorry. And so consequently, when we think it's about behavior, we always feel like God is disappointed in us. And we live under this pressure to try to perform that we're never, ever going to achieve. And if you get that, can you get that? Does you know what I'm talking about? Give me a little nod if you're with me on that. That was Nicodemus. That was Nicodemus. And now Jesus comes along, and he, it's like a theological meltdown. Because he's saying being right with God is not about behavior. And he's struggling to understand this. He's struggling to understand this just like we do. Listen to this. Growing up, I don't think I ever had a relationship. I was, it was always just do this, don't do that. These are the commandments, follow this. And uh, this is the proper way to, proper way to behave. I think it's really frustrating to feel like there's a lot of rules you have to follow. Doing all this stuff doesn't mean having a relationship with God. It's really in my heart. And when I took the time to really focus in on that, it changed. I was raised with religion and I knew that I had to act a certain way. You didn't have troubles. You didn't have issues. You just wanted to be like everybody else. You wanted to be righteous. And over time, that got kind of old. I would say, for me, if I was going to have to follow the rules, I remember trying to follow the rules, and I didn't. And I thought I was hellbound. I felt like going to heaven was up to me. It was up to what I did or didn't do. If I followed the rules, if I was a good person, I could hope to go to heaven. When I was baptized, I feel like all the hurt and suffering that was going on in my life was just lifted off of my shoulders. And ever since then, I've been declaring him as my savior. It's not about following rules. It's about following your faith and remembering who God was and is. The transformation has been something that I would have never imagined. It's more about, are you really hearing the word? Do you really believe what you're hearing at church? Are you living the way God wants you to live your life? When I found my way back to Christ, find my way back to God and found out that he did it and none of that matters, only believing that he did it, that's my way to total freedom. I don't know who would not accept that. I began to see myself as one of his children, and it changed how I looked at life. It changed how I made my decisions. It changed how I looked at the world. The freedom that comes with, you don't have to be all those things. You know, you just have to follow me and give your life to me. That's breakthrough. That was breakthrough for me and I was able to walk confidently in God, not because I was perfect, but because I was sure of who I was in Him. That right there? Sure. What you just heard those people articulate is exactly the message that Nicodemus heard for the first time. 
And, and, and he's, still, he's still kind of trying to make sense of it. And, and in confusion, he says, okay, Jesus, how, how can that be? Because remember, he's trying, he's trying to get right with God through his own behavior. And so he's totally perplexed. And actually what Jesus says next, his next reply really, I mean, just confuses him even more. Because then Jesus says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And at this point, I mean, I'm feeling a little sorry for, 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 for Nicodemus, right? Because we we're talking about rebirth. What's going on there? Now we've got snakes being lifted up in the air. What, what, what's that all about? Come on, Jesus. You've got, you got to help me out a little bit. And I think maybe Jesus sensed that Nicodemus was kind of at his breaking point, that he was totally confused. And so at this point, he goes very direct. And what Jesus says next, I think will be familiar to many of you, but maybe you never knew that Jesus actually said these words during this story to Nicodemus. And he says, okay, Nicodemus, here it is. See, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, say that word out loud for me. What is it? Believe. One more time, real loud. Believe. Believes. Whoever believes, which just means put their faith in, put your confidence, put your trust in, who believes in him will not perish but you'll have eternal life. You'll have eternal life. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, Nicodemus, behaving is not the way. To be right with God is all about believing. Believing in a God who already loves you. Not trying to behave in a way to somehow convince and make God love you. And the conversation ends. Nicodemus goes back to be with the other Pharisees and, um, and he can't shake it. I mean, he, he just continues to think, continue to think about this amazing encounter he had with Jesus. Because, I mean, that was a defining moment for him. And, and, and something feels, something feels different. And maybe you, you kind of know the feeling. Maybe you've had a, a spiritual experience that you can't explain. It might have been when you were someone by yourself. It might have been somewhere with another group of people. It might have been actually in a church building. You're not sure what it was, but you know, you know something is different. Something just felt different. And what's going on there, that's exactly what's starting to happen with Nicodemus. But he can't quite figure out exactly what it is. And so he stays on the edges. He hides kind of in the shadows. But he continued to think about that midnight meeting with Jesus every time he'd hear a story about Jesus working a miracle. Or he'd meet someone else who'd encountered Jesus. Or occasionally he'd find himself sneaking in the synagogue or to the back of the temple and he'd listen in if he knew Jesus was speaking to just pick up a few more nuggets. And I have to wonder about Nicodemus. I wonder what he was thinking when he gathered with all the other Pharisees and they began to plan Jesus' demise. Nicodemus knows the plot to kill Jesus. He watches as they arrest Jesus and then they carry out that bogus trial. He's there as Jesus is taken to Pilate's house, the Roman governor. He actually stands in the crowd along with other Pharisees as they kind of whip him up into a frenzy. And pretty soon the crowd's yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Nicodemus is there and he watches as Jesus is, is beaten and then flogged and left for dead. And he continues to stand on the sidelines as he watches Jesus carried off to be crucified. He hears the nails being pounded into his hands and into his feet. And then he stands there as he watches Jesus lifted up on a cross. 
And he hears Jesus gasp his last breath, and he says, it is finished. And, and make, no, make no mistake, the scene is absolutely horrific. And then, it was then, it was then that it happened. Something happens to Nicodemus as, as he watches Jesus die. As he stares up the, at that body on the cross, he remembers, he remembers that midnight encounter. He remembers the words that Jesus spoke to him, that Jesus said this, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who, what's the word there? Believes may have eternal life in him. And it's then, it's then that something happens to Nicodemus, because in that moment, all of a sudden, what wells up inside of him, he believes. That, that's what Jesus meant. That's what Jesus predicted. This is the moment. And Nicodemus realized that Jesus is actually the answer to the question of how can I be right with God? And he believes. And here's the thing, too. He doesn't just know it here, but he also knows it right here. And I'll tell you what, I, I can remember for me, I, I was 19 years of age. And, and I don't even know how it got into my brain and in my heart, but somehow I became convinced, like almost all of us do at some point, that it's somehow if I just do enough good stuff, if I just avoid enough sin, somehow I'm going to convince God to let me into heaven. I'm going to convince God to love me in this life. I don't know where it comes from. You know what I'm talking about? We all got some of that. And I remember, I can take it to the exact point where somehow, man, it just happened. It was in a conversation where all of a sudden, it's not about behaving. Instead, it's about what? Help me out here. It's about believing. And I knew it here, and I knew it here. And that was the moment for Nicodemus. And that was also the moment. That was the moment when he steps out of the shadows. It's in that moment that he begins to have this feeling, and I think Jesus described it as, born again and this is where, where, where the Bible doesn't tell us history fills in the blanks and tells us that at that point Nicodemus actually forfeited his position as a Pharisee from that point on he was actually banished from Jerusalem you know why because he believed and so while all the other disciples in that moment ran away from the cross it was Nicodemus that ran towards the cross and now all of a sudden, he's in the center of the story. No more secrets, no more hiding. He believes. And if we skip to John chapter 19, check this out. He joins a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. They courageously go to Pilate in the middle of all this craziness, and they ask for Jesus' body. Now normally, here's what would happen. Normally what would happen, the remains of a crucified, executed criminal would be actually thrown into a garbage dump. Outside the city. Remember what I told you at the beginning of the talk? That's what they typically did. That was the gruesome custom. That Jesus' body would have been thrown into a garbage pile. But Joseph and Nicodemus, they wouldn't have it. They want to give Jesus a proper burial. And it's Nicodemus who goes and gets 75, 75 pounds of spices. It's a huge amount. In fact, it's, so, it's significant how much. It's so much, it's, it's the amount that you'd actually use for the burial of a king. And these two men, they wash and they wrap Jesus' body, packing it with a mixture of myrrh and aloes, and then they place the body in a tomb. Now, this is important for us even today. You know why? Think about this story now. If Jesus, if, if, if Jesus hadn't really died, Nicodemus, I mean, he would have known it, right? I mean, he was right there. If, Jesus, if that body was not a dead body, he would have known it. And furthermore, think about this. <laughs> The embalming process they did? <clears throat> if he wasn't dead, the embalming process actually would have killed him. And furthermore, too, 
if Jesus' body had, had been thrown in the garbage dump, it would have been very easy for other people to say, well, you know what, maybe he wasn't really dead. Maybe he was only unconscious. And so it was Nicodemus and his concern for the body that paved the way for us to know for sure that Jesus really did die and consequently really did rise from the dead. And on Easter morning, his body did not stay on the grave. Help me out with this, okay? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And that Jesus that we follow came back to life. And hear me on this. That same spirit that came into that dead body of Jesus and brought him back to life, that's the same spirit that when we believe, not behave, but when we believe that God wants you to have. And here it is. It's 2,000 years later. And I'm convinced this is the case. And I hope we can change some of that this morning. Listen to me on this one. I'm convinced that so many of us, we still keep on the periphery. When it comes to Jesus, we're like Nicodemus. We are so much like Nicodemus. This guy, Jesus, I mean, you got to like him, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can not like about the church, a whole bunch of religious folks, all kinds of things, right? They get in the way. But this guy, Jesus, we're curious about him. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, everybody, right? Churchgoers, non This guy, he's got it going on. But I think we keep to the periphery. I think we keep in the shadows because we're afraid if we get too close to what it seems like Christianity, that it's going to be all about this behaving and acting a certain way to get God to love me. When the truth is, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Forget all of that stuff. It's only about believing. And that's why, hear me on this, that's why there's something that just feels different about Easter. Inside, what you feel, what you feel right now, you feel hope. You feel grace and unconditional love and acceptance. You feel this possibility that, holy smokes, I am trying way too hard on this side when it's all about what's going on over here with believing. I remember one of the very first small groups I was in at community. Um, we do small groups, and I was sitting in a, uh, a friend's living room here in Naperville. There was about a dozen, dozen other people. Really loved these folks. Good, good group of people. They were just starting to find their way back to God. And, and they were like that. They were curious about Jesus, but I would say kind of periphery people. And in this small group, we were actually um, reading through this gospel account of John, the book of John. And we got to the story of Nicodemus. And you can kind of almost, you can almost feel people kind of starting to lean in. It was like Jesus again. He just, he's such an attractive person. He was like pulling them into the story. And we're reading. We're actually, we're reading from the Bible. We're taking turns reading. And I remember we got to the story of Nicodemus and one young woman, she was reading what we just read and she read and said, you must be born again. And she stopped. And then she read again, you must be born again. And she stopped and then she looked up and she smiled and she read it one more time. You must be born again. And then she put her Bible down and she said, I think that's what's happening to me. And I'm telling you, it was. And here's how I know it was happening to her. Because that was the moment where she stopped trying to behave in a way to make God love her. And she started believing in a God that already loved her. That already loved her. And you know what? That's what I want for every one of you. I want, I want the good news of the gospel of God's grace and his love just to permeate your, your life and your eternity. To know that, you know what? You do not have to keep working so hard to try to behave to make God love you. He's taking the relational risk. All you have to do is just believe in a God that already loves you.
And I'll tell you what, here's the thing. That's what Jesus was doing that first Easter. That made it feel so different. That's what he was doing in that small group. And I think that's what he's doing right now in this very room. Now here, let me, let me just kind of, if I can, explain what you're feeling. If you're feeling hope right now, that's not a good talk. That's Jesus. If you're, if you're feeling grace and unconditional love, what that is, what you're feeling right now is Jesus. And if for the very first time, maybe for some of you, and we had, I got to talk to a whole group of people last night, that you're just going like, man, it's not this, it's this. That is Jesus. And like my friend, like Nicodemus, and I know this word's kind of got politicized in some centers too, but what it really means, go back to what Jesus meant. He said, no, you're being born, you're being born from above. That's what's going on. And here's what makes this day different than any other day. Are you ready? Christ is risen! risen Let's pray. Father God, I ask that, um, that this place not feel like a classroom. That first week of school where the teachers are trying to get discipline in order and they're trying to catch us doing it wrong. But Lord, I ask that this feel like a healthy, loving, functioning family where we have a father who would do anything for us, include die for us. And Lord, I ask that for every one of us, help it to make sense not only in our heads, but also in our hearts, that it's not about behaving, it's about believing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.